Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Dick Girardi, DJ, welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. Steve, uh, happy to be here when it's 60 degrees in State College on uh, February the 26th. What is going on here? Is the uh, world coming I, to an end, or what's happening? I mean, the global warming thing, some elements have worked out better than I thought it would. Yeah, really. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at... I'm looking at the mountains, and I see a little tussy mountain. I see a little snow on the ski coast close, but that's about it around here. That's so. about it. And, and we're going to Iowa City tonight. And you told me it's 73 degrees yeah. in Iowa City. How about that? February. I mean, we've been there where it's minus 30. Or <laughs> exactly. Like it's 100 degrees different. So, yeah, yeah. Looking, looking forward to that trip. Building a, fire, building a fire in the room because you had to. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What a thing! What, what a great world it is. So, yeah, as you said, sometimes global warming works in your in your favor. Let's uh, get to something else that's worked in Penn State's favor, and that's how they played last week, uh, Saturday. Dick, what kind of example was that uh, in the win over Indiana of the power of what the three means in modern basketball? Yeah, I, Steve. I don't think Penn State really played all that well, uh, you know, in comparison to some other games. Agreed. Agreed. And they and they scored eighty three points. So I think that answers the question. And when we had uh, Mike Rhodes on after the game, he said, "Look, the modern game is free throws and three point shots. They made twenty six free throws and nine three pointers. I mean, you can all do the math." That's 53 of the 83, and that's where they won the game because uh, Indiana's kind of a throwback, low post, throw it into the post, score two by two, and they actually made, I think, five more field goals than Penn State. Yes, five and, more baskets, yep. But, and lost by nine, so they didn't make any three, uh, essentially until the game was over. Penn State made nine, Indiana made two, like, in the last couple of minutes when the game had already been decided. So, yeah, I think that tells you a lot about the power of the shot. And this coaching staff obviously understands it. Um, they, I don't want to say they've recruited to it because that's really not fair because they really have a chance to recruit. But they, they went into the transfer portal thinking about it, um, got some players specifically that could shoot it, and stayed with some of those players even where they weren't making it on the theory that the way they were designing this was getting open shots. Eventually those shooters would start to make them. And over the last, say, month, uh, Penn State had the one three-game winning streak, uh, including a couple on the road in the league, and now has a two-game winning streak from last week. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it is to, is because they developed a much better three-point shooting team. And that's a tribute, A, to the shooters, B, the coaching staff, and probably more than anything, Ace Baldwin's just being a maestro and getting the ball to the shooters in the right place at the right time. If we had a dollar for every time that we said during the course of the season in November, December, and the January that a swing guy you and I said over and over again was Zach Hicks, uh, what have we now seen in the past month that backs up the fact that he is one of the swing guys on this team? Yeah, again, I give the coaching staff uh, A+. Plus. A, identifying who they wanted. Uh, Zach, of course, had a, was having a nice career at Temple. Convincing him that he could fit in nicely. And then more than anything, Steve, staying with him when he couldn't put the ball in the basket. 
a lot of coaches would have just said, you know what, we've given you every chance. You've started every game. You're shooting under 30%. We just can't do it anymore. But they saw the big picture, and the big picture was if Zach Hicks could develop into an all-court player, guarding, occasionally getting to the basket or at least mid-range, getting to the free throw line, and those shots started falling, they'd have a potential all-league player. And look, Zach's not going to make all-league this year, but he's been an all-league player for a month. Uh, he's been that good. So, yeah, again, that's a tribute to the big-picture thinking of the coaching staff. You have a six-eight three-man who's capable of shooting from range. And as we said from the beginning, Steve has the picture-perfect shooting form. And at some point, that form is going to put the ball's going in the basket. Well, now it's going in the basket. Zach has confidence. He's become a major weapon. And this is something, when you and I talked to him after the game, you could almost hear the appreciation in his voice that the, that the staff stuck with him. For sure. Uh, I, I think there was one time on one of the broadcasts I actually said, and it turned out to be wrong, that, man, I don't know, they, you're showing a lot of patience here. I'm not sure I could show that kind of patience, but they were smarter than me, and they stuck with him. And I remember talking to his dad. I saw his dad at a high school game back in November, and he said, look, just go tell Zach to keep shooting. Of course, I went to the layup lines in the next game. That's what I told him, and he smiled. And he has. And now now he's so he, – he, now he's hunting his shot and not just a three-point shot because, look, everybody's trying to run him off the line. It's fine. It's hard to run him off the line because he can shoot over you at 6'8". But if they do run him on the line, he can bounce it three or four times and get into that mid-range, pump fake, get fouled. He's getting to the line. Of course, he made the three biggest free throws of the season to, to win the Illinois game on Wednesday night. You mentioned Ace Baldwin being the maestro. I mean, you know, he's a ball-dominant point guard. I mean, what has it meant to him to have the freedom to be the ball-dominant point guard? What has it meant to the other players around him? Yeah, I mean, you, you hate to you hate to say it, but just the reality is the reality, Steve. So you just say it. it um, Kanye Clary not being there, and this is not a knock on Kanye at all. It's, it's really addition by subtraction because the floor was a little too crowded with both of them out there. They're both incredibly skilled, but they both need the ball to be effective. And there's only one ball and two guys, so a lot of times the floor was a little too crowded with them. Kanye is a better just straight out a score, even than Ace is, um, but he doesn't see the floor like Ace did. So once Kanye got hurt, we saw what it looked like with Ace out there all the time. And, you know, look, that may have happened anyway. We'll, ne- we'll never know now. And then, then there were other things that happened that, you know, we, you and I are not privy to as exactly what happened. And, and Kanye is no longer with the team. And as we said on the broadcast Saturday, you know, hopefully he finds a really good spot for him and, and he's happy and he gets to play a couple more years of college hoops. But it turns out that this team is more effective with just the one small left-handed point guard uh, out there. And I, I don't think it's any mystery to anybody. All you got to do is watch the game. So I think that's part of it, that Ace has been free. He's out there all the time. Um, and, he's, and when he's out there, he is completely in charge rather than in charge some of the time. Uh, so, yeah, I think all that has helped him. And it's also helped the other guys because, you know, they had to make up Kanye's points. It wasn't like he wasn't scoring. He was. Right. And that's right. where Zach Hicks has come in. DeMarco Dunn has come into the starting lineup. Uh, Jamil Brown off the bench. Even Cutis is getting more touches. So all of those things, somewhere you got to make up the scoring. They've, they've made it up and then some. 
Um, again, I, I feel badly because it, you know, it's not about Kanye the individual. It's just maybe about the circumstances that those two playing together. I think we all thought at the beginning, hey, it's fun, they're so quick, and they can do things, but the longer you looked at it, you know, the less comfortable you felt seeing it just didn't quite work. Yeah, when Dick, when Dick and I talk about it, it's not about the young man. It's not about his game. It's about the fit with what, what's needed to win. And maybe in this case, just from a basketball point of view, all the other stuff aside, right? from a basketball point of view, at the moment, this is the better fit. Yeah, and I, I think, look, if Ace wasn't here, it, you know, then, then Kanye probably would have been a lot more comfortable, too. Right. Now, he's not, he doesn't see the court at this stage like Ace does. He's not as experienced. Right, this is only his second year of college basketball, and he barely played last year, whereas this is Ace's fourth year, so he has that kind of experience. But, you know, we'll never know what might have happened, but he could go somewhere else where what he does fits what the coach wants to do exactly, and he could, he could have a great couple of years. I sure. hope he does. Right, exactly, and we hope he does too. There's no no question about that. Uh, you mentioned uh, Wahab in the middle. He's the one, real, the one big guy they have that has a lot of experience, has played – and, you know, you didn't know what to expect going into the season really with any of these guys. Dick, what have we seen from him? Yeah, it's fascinating, Steve, because we knew his game from the year at Maryland, and obviously I, we'd watched him play on TV at Georgetown. Well, we saw him play in person at Georgetown, too. Remember 100%. That? Yeah. Right, all the way back in, in 2020, four yeah. years ago. That early, actually, in 2019, November of 2019, yeah. we saw him down in D.C. when Penn State ran Georgetown off the court. I, I frankly don't even remember him in that game or if he played or whatever, but he was at least on that team. And I, to me, he's been a revelation. And, and that's a credit to a couple of things. Obviously, you know, Q himself, he's worked at it. But major credit to Brent Scott, uh, who works with the big guys. Yeah. He's a changed player, Steve. Uh, he never was this effective at any of his other stops. Now, maybe it was going to happen anyway, but it's happened with this coaching staff. Every the game has slowed down for him. He won't do anything until he's ready to do it. He's shooting at a very high percentage because he'll only take high percentage shots. He doesn't do anything he can't do. He doesn't get into foul trouble, and they don't. And they need him to not be in foul trouble because he's really one of one for them. I mean, they have some backups, but they're not of the same caliber or certainly don't have the experience as he has. So, yeah, he's been huge. And, you know, every once in a while I think ahead a little bit. Obviously, we have some serious hoops to play the rest of the year, but you think ahead the next year. He's really going to be missed, and he's the one guy you know that's starting that can't come back. Uh, the rest of the group can come back to be determined on who wants to come back. There's one more year of COVID, so like four-year players can have a fifth year. Right. I believe next year is it. Yeah, I it's think it is. Yeah. There's no more of that. Uh, so it technically, so Ace Baldwin can come back now. Whether what Ace wants to do, whether he wants to go make. Uh, some money professionally, or he'd like to come back with NIL, but you know, it's all to be determined. But you will be a huge loss. Uh, I don't know enough about the young big guys they have coming in, but that, that'll be a big spot to fill for uh, for next year. But that's that's all fun to talk about over the summer and next fall. But right now, Q has been great. He's been exactly what they need. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I couldn't comment at all on, on the new players coming in until I actually see them in person. Uh, I. I my opinion, there are probably three teams Penn State really doesn't match up well with in this league. And I, my, let's see if my list and your list are the same. My, mine would be Purdue, 
for obvious reasons. Edie, by the way, says he's not coming back next year. All right. <laughs> okay. Yay. Yay. Make money. Uh, <laughs> and, he, and he could come back if he wanted. Yes, he could. Uh, Michigan, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State, actually, and ironically, Illinois. Um, yeah. Uh, those are my three. Everybody else in this conference, I feel Penn State in one form or another matches up with. Is that fair? I, I, it's fair It's fair to this point, Stephen. I agree with all those three, and that's what was so fascinating about the Illinois win last Wednesday. And was there was there a bit of a miraculous tone to it? Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, sure. But because they're so big and strong and rebound so well, that is tough. But the thing about Illinois, Steve, they can be scored on. Yes. They don't, their, their defense, defense is not a huge priority for them. No. Uh, yeah, I, I think Michigan State's defense is a little better, although I don't trust Michigan State's offense, as they proved again yesterday when they gave away a lead at home against Ohio State. But their offense against Penn State has been great because they got nobody to guard Hall and Purdue for the obvious reasons. I, I would say this about Purdue. I think they're, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm having the number exactly right, 20 points better in Mackey than anywhere else? Yeah. It's a huge number. Yeah. Whatever that number is. I mean, Michigan was actually in the game with them most of the way yesterday. Right. That's right. At, at Michigan. Uh, so, and they don't, there's no home, there's no Mackey games in the NCAA. But that's for later. The other team I'll tell you that concerns me, and it's not just because of what happened last Saturday. Man, I watched Nebraska last night. Cool. I did they too. Locked up Minnesota. I mean, <sighs> I. You know when I when I saw it, we saw it in person last uh, Saturday at, at Pinnacle. I'm thinking, all right, well, Penn State's tired. You know, this is right. just a bad team. They and Jeff Settle said it on the broadcast, and he's right. They become a really good defensive team yeah. out of nowhere. We already knew they could score, uh, so that that concerns me a little bit, but. I'd like to see it on a neutral court with Penn State having proper rest, which they didn't have in that game in Nebraska. Been awful week, so right. sometimes you can't judge it. But yeah, that that might be the other one that concerns me. But you know what? <laughs> see if they can get to Thursday, which they're probably favored to do at the moment. Right. Uh, it, it looks like the probably the, the critical game may turn out if they can win tomorrow. Then that's that's giant. They almost are locked into Thursday yeah. if they can win tomorrow. But if they can't, then it's probably going to, may very well come down to the Maryland game uh, two weeks from yesterday uh, if they can if they can win that game. Uh, but yeah, it's weird. I was looking at some of the other teams' schedules, trying to figure out who's beating who, and frankly, I don't even know anymore. A lot of these results are random. I mean, did anybody see Ohio State beating Purdue and at Michigan State on successive Sunday? Right, no. with, with an interim with an interim head coach. Right. I mean, nobody saw that coming. It's just like, not. It's just like, what? What just happened? So, yeah, I think – but, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think the three teams you mentioned are probably the most difficult matchups. Um, but wouldn't it be fun to see Illinois again at the Target Center and see if they could beat them five straight times in five, <laughs> five different, different arenas? Five different arenas. I know. Amazing. Uh, and as for Nebraska, I, I, I watched – a good portion of that game last night, and Dick, I walked away with the same feeling. I said, "Man, their defense! Like maybe I undersold fatigue versus defense last Saturday because I mean they took Minnesota's been playing at a pretty high clip, scoring a lot of points, and they took they took them apart defensively." Yeah, Minnesota was like to me, 
well, they were not far from like a long winning streak. They blew it. They blew a lead. Uh, blew a lead. That's not the right right word. They had a significant lead at Mackey against Purdue. Yep. They had a twenty point lead against Iowa at home. So they played well enough to win both those games. They lost, and they've won all the rest of their games in recent weeks. So they were already. I'm talking Minnesota now. They were playing great going into that game. Yeah. And they were they were a non-event last night. There yeah. were no factors. Right. And they can and they got an offense. It's not like they don't have an offense. They got guys that can score. So yeah, I, I was watching the game last night. Obviously, more to watch Minnesota because Penn State will be there Saturday night. And as I'm watching the game, I'm going, you know what? I'm not really learning anything because that's not at all how Penn State plays defense. Right. Arizona or Nebraska plays it way differently. Yeah. So it's not helping me to figure out what's going to go on with Minnesota. But I was kind of like. Uh, I need to reevaluate as I'm watching yeah. this about the, at the at the very least about Nebraska. And it's also possible maybe Minnesota went in there, maybe they hit the wall, which everybody does at some point in this league during the year. It's just it's just the way it is. Just so many games, so much travel. But yeah, they they're certainly better than they played last night, or maybe just Nebraska's gotten that good. Uh, you've covered games in Rec Hall before when they were playing there in the Big Ten. Now you get a chance to, on the broadcast side, and you and I worked that game Wednesday in Rec Hall. Look, there are a lot of things that fell into place for them to win it, but what did you think of just the pure experience of, of what happened Wednesday night? I thought it was great. Um, I hope they do it again, you know, as many times the season as it's feasible. I mean, I know there are a number of other sports in there, and it's hard to turn around and put a basketball court. I mean, I understand all that, so I don't know what – the athletic department can or can't do or what the deal is with the Jordan Center and how many times they have right. to play. Now, I don't know, any of that stuff. But yep. so I think I think it was great. I think people really love the experience like they love the Palestra experience. And, you know, obviously I love to see games at the Palestra, but, man, I would think it's something that the students would really get behind. I think the fans would get behind it. And, and it's unlike the Jordan Center, which we know what the issues are. It's just it's a little cavernous. It wasn't really built for basketball. This is a gym. Yeah. And people are right on top of the action. You feel like you're part of the game. So, yeah, I, I thought it was great. And, of course, it's right – I mean, it's literally in the middle of campus where kids can walk out of their dorm and walk across the street and get into the place. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, hope, it, I hope it happens. You know, what, regularly, whatever that is, whatever's feasible. And I know Mike Rhodes said when he took the job, and he said it ever since, we want to do things differently. This is the state university. Uh, it's in the middle of the state, but take the team. And you can't do that with a football team. You're playing in Beaver Stadium. I, mean, I get that. But go to Hershey. Uh, go to Madison Square Garden like this year. Go to the Polestra. Yeah, go to the go to Allentown, uh, where we played a game against Drexel a couple of years ago. You know, take take the program around the state, showcase it, and you know what else, Steve? Take it where the recruits are. Yes, and bring those recruits. I know they had a lot of recruits at the Palestra. Bring them along. Go, hey, this is how we play. This is the kind of experiences we can give you. All that stuff is there. It's, it's there for the taking. And the cool thing. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia's three hours away. Pittsburgh's a couple hours away. You could get anywhere in the state here in a couple hours. This is Center County for a reason. You can get places here in the center of the state. DJ, I will see you at the airport. Steve, I look forward to it. Uh, and you'll love it when you come outside today because it will feel like it's, uh, I don't know, May, maybe? 
Yeah, feels feels like May, and we'll, we'll have dinner with our good friend Sean Morris tonight. Yes, we will. We will meet Sean and Carlville. What could be better? Sounds great. Thanks, Dick. Right. In a couple hours. All right, Steve. Dick Girardi. We will come back more in a moment. Uh, John Griffin next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKFM.